If you have your Bibles with you, open it uh, with me to Second Samuel uh, chapter seven, verses eighteen through uh, actually uh, twenty-seven, or I'm sorry, twenty-nine. Um, one of the things that we have the great joy of seeing as we are studying the life of David is how God uh, was at work. He made a promise ever since Genesis 3.15 to, uh, that, that through the seed of the woman, uh, the seed of the serpent would be destroyed. And over time, uh, many, many years, uh, hundreds of years, uh, God was at work uh, seeing that that, that promised seed uh, would, would, would see it to its fulfillment. And we know that that's ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And in response to this promise, these promises that were made to David, in a lot of ways echoed uh, what was promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob before him, uh, was this, this reality, this truth, thank you, uh, was this truth that, uh, that the world, uh, that, the, that the nations would be blessed uh, through uh, this promised seed. And we see... Uh, David kind of coming face to face and giving an adequate response in prayer uh, to him. I'm just going to read just a couple of quick verses just to kind of get, get a taste in our mouth of what he's talking about. And he, David, went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought all this greatness to make your servant. Let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer. Father, as we consider these verses, we ask that you would press these truths on our hearts and our minds. Uh, we commit them to you. We commit this time to you. We ask that you would use it for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the, if, you, if you've ever been in a, a position where you're looking for a job uh, and you're seeking the Lord, you're, you're wondering where he's leading. And, and there may be many times where it looks like he is leading in one way or in one direction, but then you come to find out it's in the total opposite direction. Have you ever experienced that? It, it may not necessarily be looking for a job, but it, just in life. Uh, struggles that we all have, wondering where God is at, uh, wondering what he's doing, kind of con- you know, bringing it before the Lord and seeing him at work in different ways in different areas. What do, what do we do in those times? Where do, we, where do we turn to? What do we turn to uh, when we are uh, in, maybe in darkness what do we do? What do we give ourselves to? Uh, where is God at, at work? What kind of perspective should we have? Uh, and David's prayer actually helps us uh, to that end. It gives us wisdom and insight as to who God is, how he's at work, and where he's leading. And we kind of see this you know, actually more than three ways, but the three ways that I would like to look at is uh, God's uh, promises actually brings his presence in the life of his people. Uh, we also see uh, God's uh, kind of pursuit 
uh, brings his salvation uh, of his people, but, but for Israel as well as the, the world. Uh, and then we also kind of finally see uh, God's blessings brings his glory for David and then for us. Uh, one of the, what's really interesting in, you know, verse uh, 17, kind of, sorry, we're having a little issues here. Uh, let's worry about uh, God's word. Let's not worry about that over there. Um, if you look at uh, verse 18, uh, the writer, uh, what we think is uh, Samuel, uh, writes this about David. King David went in and sat before the Lord. What's really interesting in that, that word translated, uh, went in and sat, uh, actually means dwelling. Uh, it, it's this idea of God or, or David dwelling with God. It, it's also kind of a, a, a pickup or a, a playoff of, of tabernacle, which means God dwells amongst us. Uh, and and what we what's really interesting is in in Old Testament worship, there was a requirement uh, that God gave to man in order for him to come into the presence of God. Uh, typically, there was a sacrifice that had to be made. Why was there a sacrifice? Because we cannot enter into the presence of a holy and righteous God as as sinners. Our sin had to be dealt with, but we don't necessarily see that happening here. Well, how is it that David is able to enter into the presence of God? It, it seems like he's maybe even in the tabernacle. But after doing a little research, what, what I found during that time, if you, if you look at uh, chapter 16, there are a couple of things that have happened. Uh, the ark was captured by the Philistines. We see David kind of uh, you know, delivering it, bringing it back to, to Israel. And he, and he made a tent in his, basically in his house. For the ark to, to come into. Uh, there was also another tent or tabernacle that was in Gibeon, uh, Gideon, Gibeon uh, which is about six miles north of uh, Jerusalem. And it was a temp, uh, the, the tabernacle, uh, basically kind of the, the uh, tabernacle 2.1 of the old tabernacle that was wandering in the uh, wilderness for many years. Uh, and it was, it was built in the exact uh, specs of Old Testament worship. So we had kind of in one area, all of the, you know, temple furnishings in one tent. And then with uh, David and his house, we had the Ark of the Covenant, which is the mercy seat. And if you read through Old Testament uh, scripture, that is where God's glory dwelled, was on the mercy seat. The mercy seat was also what... Uh, the, the high priest, uh, when he sprinkled the blood uh, on Yom Kippur, Day of uh, Atonement, when all of Israel's sin was dealt with. Uh, and, you know, in the middle of uh, chapter 16, we see uh, David leading kind of this procession, uh, bringing uh, the Ark uh, of the Covenant back to Israel and, and kind of uh, sacrificing almost like every six Steps, uh, commentators say, uh, one sacrifice was made, and then six steps, and then another. Uh, so there were adequate sacrifices that were made, but even still, if, if we believe what uh, what Hebrews nine and ten says, those those sacrifices were inadequate. Uh, but they pointed to an adequate sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ. 
But how still was, was David able to enter into the presence of God? Well, we kind of look at uh, Paul in Romans and even James um, talks about uh, faith. Uh, Abraham had faith and it was credited to him as righteousness. Uh, so what we see here is David trusting in, having faith in God's promises. He looked to God, trusting that he has dealt with his sin. And, and it, it also kind of implies that God embraced him as his own, brings him into his presence. That's what justification is. The, the forgiveness of our sins, the, you know, the acquittal of our, from our sins, uh, and then, you know, brought into the presence of God and God seeing us as righteous. So that is why David was able to approach God. And that's, and that's why day, uh, God gave him his presence, uh, beckoned him into his presence. Uh, we, and, and this was in response to God's promises that he made to David, uh, that his descendant would sit on the throne forever. Uh, and then he also, God also made these promises to David saying, I will be to him like a father is to a child. Uh, you know, this was for David, but it was for those uh, who came after David, his descendants, ultimately leading up to and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And, and David was looking to the promise keeper, the, the promise maker, as one who would keep his promises. It was credited to him as righteous. His sin was dealt with. And we kind of see him in, in some ways dealing with this sin uh, in the presence of God when he makes those statements. Oh God, who am I? What is my house before you? Uh, you know, it, it, it demonstrates he understands his sinfulness uh, and he's crying out to God, deal with my sin, but also crying out to God with a confidence that his sin has been dealt with in the promised one who we see and know as Jesus Christ. And as I kind of look, you know, reflecting on who David is, what I would like to do throughout kind of the remainder of our of the sermon is to look at how these promises kind of apply in, in three different ways. As children, so kind of as children of, of God, you know, David was a child of God, uh, but it also, these promises were made for uh, and, and applied to David's children, which, by the way, you and I are heirs of these promises through faith in Jesus Christ. But we also look at David, kind of seeing David as, as a parent, right, as a father. Uh, he was married uh, to Michael. I don't think they had children at this point. But, but we know David's story. We know that he would have a child. That Solomon would sit on the throne. Uh, and then his descendants after him. Uh, so we, we're going to see how this applies to he as a parent, but also as parents of uh, of, of our of our covenant children or, or children of God, uh, and then we also we're going to look at uh, you know who is David? Uh, what role does he play in the life of Israel? He's Israel's leader. He is their king. So we're going to see how these promises apply not only as you know to children or as children, but also as parents, but also as leaders. Uh, so particularly, how does this apply to those of us who are leaders? out in the world, but also in his church, in the context of his church. So we're going to see it three, in three ways. 
God uh, giving us his presence, right, through his uh, promises. Uh, God uh, pursuing and giving uh, his, his uh, salvation. Uh, God blessing uh, for his glory. So let's move on uh, to point number one. Uh, so we kind of see, uh, you know, God uh, promising and, uh, and uh, prom- you know, looking at the promises made to David, but also, you know, uh, bringing him uh, or those who, you know, who are sinners into his presence uh, through faith in his promises. And, and we kind of see this uh, in his, uh, and I said it earlier, uh, in kind of his, his recognition of who he is uh, in humility, right? Uh, David goes before the Lord and as he's praying, he's confessing, I'm inadequate. I don't measure up. I don't deserve this. Uh, he is a sinner who is in need of God's grace and mercy. And uh, if, if, you know, for those of us who have recently become Christians, one of the things that, uh, if you're like me, that you, you struggled with or that you marveled at uh, was the, the grossness, right, of, of our sin, my sin, uh, before a holy and righteous God. Uh, sometimes that might lead to pity or, or, you know, woe is me. But uh, when we, when we see God's grace and mercy in the midst of that, uh, that, that pity, that sorrow turns to great gratitude for the work, uh, that God has done in spite of ourselves. You know, David says, who am I? Lord, you, you know your servant. Uh, you know all of uh, my inadequacies. You know all of my struggles. You, you see me at my worst. And, and what does he say? Uh, which actually leads to him approaching God with confidence. And kind of seeing it, God's leading with, you know, confidently uh, is, is this truth, this reality. God, you, you've chosen me by, by your heart. Uh, not anything that I've done or haven't done. You've chosen to pour out your grace and your mercy because you love your children. And, and that's the same for you and me, is it not? When we stand before a holy and righteous God deserving his wrath, and yet we receive his mercy and his grace, it's not because of what we've done or haven't done. We can't do enough, right? You know, we can't do enough, but we, there isn't anything that we, we can do that will keep us from God's grace and his mercy. Uh, he has chosen to pour it out upon us. So think about it as children. How does this apply to us as children? Uh, one of the things, you know, the beautiful things about uh, God is that he's a covenant God. He enters into relationship with his people, but also his children. These promises aren't just for David, but they're for Solomon and so on and so forth. Uh, they're ultimately fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So as parents... We are called to raise our children in the wisdom and admonition of the Lord. We're called to remind them of all the great things that God has done for us. Uh, And we'll get into a little bit of what that looks like as as David kind of looks and reflects on the history of Israel. But even in our own lives, you know, as as we, as parents, uh, you know, even as children... Uh, as we as we looked, you know, on our our lives, and and there, there for some of us, it may be easy to see God's handiwork, 
It may, it may be that God has brought us through very hard times. Maybe even as a, as a child, your upbringing was, was hard. Uh, and, and God's promises here, uh, to, you know, to David, made to David, uh, that you, you'll be my son, uh, that I'll treat your son as my own son, is for you. Uh, if you don't have a, a mom or dad, or if you have a struggling mom or dad, you know, God's promise to you is he, he sees you as his son and daughter. And he calls you to put his, your trust in him. He calls you to rest in his promises as David did. Uh, and that promise is the full assurance that yours and my sins are forgiven if we turn from them, if we confess them before God and ask him to do a work uh, in us. And we know that he's done that work in Jesus Christ. Now, for David, he didn't know that. I mean, he was, he was trusting that God would provide a savior down the road. In fact, that one of his descendants would be that savior. But, he, but yet he was looking, he was, he was uh, depending upon that savior uh, to deal with uh, his sin. Uh, and with the full confidence and assurance that he has dealt and will deal, deal with that sin. What about as, as a leader? Uh, what, you know, here's a beautiful picture of what God has called us as leaders to do. Uh, and, and we've, we've seen this throughout, uh, is, you know, the history of Israel. When Israel was off, um, you, you know, in, in uh, Assyria and Babylon, uh, when they were slaves there and they were, they were able to come back, uh, during, a, 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 there was a time, you know, where Ezra, and Nehemiah gathered, and they uh, they read God's word, and and what we see pictured there is uh, a great rejoicing. Uh, you know, there we see Nehemiah kind of walking and examining the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, we we see Ezra praying for God's people, uh, crying out for them as, as leaders, especially leaders in uh, in the church. Uh, this is a, a challenge and encouragement to us to, to go to the Lord in humility, right? Recognizing our, our struggles, uh, the hardships, and, and asking, inviting God in to do a work with great confidence and assurance that he will use us in spite of ourselves. Uh, but it also, you know, challenges in, in, in how we deal with one another, right? Um, in weakness, uh, with great courage, with great love. Uh, you know, Jesus himself says that the world will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. Uh, so this is what we're called to as, as leaders uh, of God's people. We're called to be humble. Uh, we're called to enter into God's presence uh, with the full assurance that he hears us. We're called to go uh, and, and pray for those whom we seek to serve uh, and care for. Uh, and invite God to use us to lead them well uh, for his glory. Uh, that's what it looks like uh, to, you know, when we enter into, uh, through God's promises, we, we are brought into his presence, but also uh, with a great confidence knowing that he's leading us, right? Uh, you know, Jesus talks uh, about in his earthly ministry um, the, the promise of the Holy Spirit, who will equip the, the disciples to, to build his church, uh, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, to make disciples. And that promise is for you and me. 
that through faith in the Son, the promised Son, the Messiah, we actually have the Holy Spirit, the, the third person of the triune God, dwelling in us and leading and guiding us as it's directed in his word. And that's why uh, we see David saying, you have said it so, Lord, may it be. By, by your word, this is true. May you lead your servant in your ways. Uh, so we've seen uh, God's presence leading, to, uh, bringing his, his, uh, uh, his presence. We also see uh, God's uh, pursuit uh, bringing his salvation. So as, we, as uh, David was kind of reflecting on God's promises made to him for his children, he, he kind of uh, looks at um, a great example of God's grace and mercy, uh, the people of Israel. Who were the people of Israel? They were slaves. They were, in, they were the dredge of, of society, of the world. Uh, they, they, were, uh, they were made to work against their will. They were oppressed. Uh, right? Uh, for 400 years. And, and we see David here in uh, verses uh, 22 uh, through 27 kind of opening up. You know, who, who are your people? You know, your, your people are unworthy. But yet you, God, the same God who promised me, promised to be their God. You, you went to them. You pursued them. Uh, when they did not deserve it, when they did not want it, when they did not even know how to uh, cry out to you or what, what was going on. Uh, out of your great mercy and grace, you have pursued them and you've brought them into your salvation, Lord. He, you know, he reflects on God demonstrating his power and his glory through the deliverance of Israel, through the uh, parting of the Red Sea, uh, through the provision of, of the manna, uh, wandering in the wilderness, leading them, uh, you know, by the pillar of, uh, of fire and, and smoke, uh, dwelling, you know, tabernacling uh, with his people and actually leading them as they were wandering in the wilderness. That's the God that you are, Lord, David was saying. You are the God of Israel. Uh, moreover, you demonstrated your power, not just to them, but uh, for the nations, for the world, for those who were outside of the boundaries of Israel. Uh, the, these things were made so that you would be made known to them. Uh, these promises that were made to Israel were, were made through Israel to the nations. Uh, Israel was the, was the one who, who was supposed to be uh, kind of the, the salt and light of the earth. It was positioned in, in such a way uh, and I've, I know I've said this before. I, I know I've said this in, in, uh, when I've taught in youth ministry. But the, you know, the, the world literally had to go through Israel in order to get to Rome and uh, Asia Minor and so on and so forth and trade. So, that, so whenever they entered into uh, Israel, what they saw was God, you know, uh, the God of the universe actually dwelling with uh, a people, uh, you know, giving his, his word, actually acting. You know, the, the other uh, gods of, of the world had no action. They were made of, of wood and, and stone and uh, precious materials. And, and even in uh, chapter 16 and uh, 15 before that, what we see is, you know, uh, God demonstrating his power when the Ark of the Covenant was in uh, Philistine care. 
When, when uh, was it Moab? I can't remember the name of the day God. I can't remember. But the, the, the God of the Philistines kind of basically were bowed down in worship uh, to Israel's God. And that was a testimony to the nations that the God of Israel is the one true God. And actually, you can know them, know him. Uh, you, you have to enter into, you have to be a part of God's covenant community. You, you have to, do, in order for this to work, there are th- some things that need to happen, kind of a physical aspect, but it, but it's, it spoke of and, and, and pointed to an, an internal work. You know, God's internal work of saving his people, uh, being their God, leading them, right, caring for them, uh, was the kind of work that he was doing in our hearts, in the hearts of those who trusted in the one true God, uh, that, that they, were, they were made righteous through faith in him, uh, that their sin was being dealt with, uh, that they, they were forgiven of their sin uh, because of the work that the one true God has done on their behalf. And that message through uh, David, you know, the promise of David, uh, goes to him, right, David? His children and his children's children, uh, you know, ultimately fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And, and through faith in him, we are heirs to these promises. Uh, God beckons us into his presence. He promises salvation. He promises to lead us and guide us and care for us. He promises to be our God and we his children. So God's promises, God's uh, pursue uh, offers his salvation uh, to to Israel through Israel and uh, for the nations and then finally uh, what we see happening uh, in, in addition to God uh, uh, God's promises giving uh, um, offering his presence God's pursuit offering his salvation we see God's blessing uh, brings his glory uh, if you look at verses uh, uh, 28 and 29. Uh, actually, if you, if you kind of back up and you look at verses 26 through 29, we see David constantly, you know, crying out, Lord, this, if this is your will, you say that it's your will, then it will be done, uh, by your power, uh, for your glory, not, not for, you know, this is David talking for David's glory. You know, that's why David said, who is my family that you would, uh, sh- kind of demonstrate or show your greatness or reveal your greatness to. Uh, who am I? Who is my family? It's not for me, not for my glory, for my own benefit in the sense of like uh, all eyes on me, but, but through me, it is for God's glory, uh, de- the demonstration of his power. And we, and we see that, you know, as, as I said it, for David, uh, these promises uh, that were made to David, um, are for us. You know, the, those promises to, for God to be his God, for, for God to be the God of his children, uh, is, is for us, ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Uh, so, and it doesn't necessarily mean if you are a, a Jew or, or native Israelite, uh, by faith in the promised Messiah, the, the, the promised descendant of David, you are made a child of the living God. You, you are cared for and provided for uh, as a loving father would to his daughter or his son. 
uh, as parents, uh, as I said before, we're called to teach these things to our children, but we're also called to, to model these things as well. That this is not for me, right? You know, when we discipline our children, it hurts me more than it hurts you, right? Uh, but this is for your good. Uh, for not just your success in this world, uh, but, but that you would know the full assurance of salvation in Him. That's what's, what's most important. Not necessarily what school you get into, right? Uh, the grades that you have, the athletic ability, uh, the popularity. It's God uh, choosing, because He loves you, to pour out His grace and mercy upon you. That is actually what defines you. Not the, not the, the voices of this world um, that, that kind of make you uh, in some ways change or, or accept that which is false, but make you children of truth, children of the promise. Uh, that there is a, a one true God and that he's a personal God who cares for and guides us through times of struggle times of, of joy and peace and assurance uh, for his glory. Uh, what, you know, one of the things that I, we love or I love uh, about sports uh, is seeing an athlete, you know, at the end of a, a, a win, uh, you know, talk about the joy that he or she received kind of, uh, you know, serving the team, whether it's uh, sacrifice bunt or fly so that a teammate would score and they would win the game. Or whether you're a, you know, you're a, 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 a what am I trying to say? A wide receiver, a very talented wide receiver that takes on double teams so that, you know, your, your teammate would uh, be freed up to, to score uh, points for your team. And, and, uh, and even, even if, if, you know, the, the ball doesn't make it into your hands, you, you know, we see athletes seeing their role uh, for the for the good of of, of their team, uh, and it and it's refreshing to to see athletes kind of you know, point away from themselves and and point to their teammates and the purpose that they have, and and we see David doing that here. God, who am I? I'm a sinner before you, but because of your great love for your people, you've chosen. You've chosen me out of this world so that I may be a blessing to those around us. And that's what God has called us, you and I, as, as his children, uh, to be a blessing to those around us, to caring for those in need, for bearing one another's burdens, uh, for uh, humbly leading and guiding, uh, for dying to self and serving one another. I mean, we, we see constantly this is a common theme throughout the scriptures of taking up our cross and following after him with the full assurance that God is leading us and caring for us and actually doing a work in us as we are uh, dying to self, drawing us to himself, making us more like him and, uh, and, and causing us uh, to be a blessing to those around us. Like I said, whether it's caring for one another physically, but also through our words and our deeds Loving uh, in the way, same way that Christ has loved the church. Uh, loving in, in, in the way of, of being an encouragement, right? Uh, pronouncing blessing. Uh, speaking the truth in love. I mean, that's why we, 
as, as followers of Christ and even here as members of Northside, that why we're called to reach uh, the lost with the gospel because we know that their only hope, their only assurance, the only way that they can find true meaning and purpose is in relationship with the one true God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, which is where these promises are for you and me. Um, you know, Peter, after he, at Pentecost, after he received uh, the Holy Spirit, proclaimed this in Acts chapter 22, I think it's like verses uh, 22 and following, where he actually reflected on this promise that was made to David. Uh, David knew and understood that his descendant would not uh, kind of face or, or, or see or, or experience decay, right? Uh, but that he is Lord, that he is king over all, he's sovereign Lord over all things. That he's demonstrated that uh, in his physical bodily resurrection. You know, David didn't know that necessarily that it was, it was Jesus was going to be the Messiah, but he knew that uh, his, his promised, you know, descendant or heir would be the one who would save his people from their sins. That he would, uh, as Isaiah 9 and following talks about, that he would preach the gospel to the poor, right? He would, he would make the lame walk, uh, that, that he, would, he would heal and raise those from the dead. Uh, and, and Peter, uh, you know, reflecting on the promises that were made to David, reflecting on the teachings that of the true Davidite, Jesus Christ, that he followed for the three years, uh, proclaimed with, with great confidence and, and assurance that, you know, that whom David spoke of is indeed Jesus Christ, whom you crucified. But know this, even still, if you come to him in faith, if you confess your sin, you ask for forgiveness of, of those sins, God, right, who is, who is great with mercy, who is righteous, will and indeed forgive you of your sins. Uh, you know, whatever you may be facing, whatever struggles you may be facing, know this, uh, that the same God who is faithful to his promises uh, to David uh, is faithful to you in his son, Jesus Christ. And as you are struggling and wrestling with whatever it is, you know, at, at, at a job, uh, under, kind of under, if you're a student, understanding where God's calling you, what he's, how he's equipped you, what he wants you to do with, with your life. Uh, if, you know, if, if, you're, if you're facing temptation or you're struggling with sickness or, or hardship or pain or suffering, uh, that this simple truth that you have forgiveness through faith in Jesus gives insight and wisdom and encouragement in those hard times. You know, that, that simple truth um, is, is so profound but beautiful. And, and sometimes when, when you're in the darkness, when you don't know where to turn, just that simple truth that you have a Father in heaven who delights in you, who offers, truly offers you forgiveness of your sins, that gives you hope and assurance. Uh, and, and may you know that. May you, may you know God's presence. May you enter into his presence with great confidence, knowing that he's dealt with your sin. May, may, he, may you see him, even in, in the works of David and in, in, in uh, works of Israel, uh, see that your heavenly father pursues you and loves you 
and is, and is caring for you and is leading you that you may follow him with great assurance and confidence. And, and may, may you know uh, his blessings and may, may he cause you, as he did with David and, and uh, Israel before him, uh, may he cause you and I uh, to be a great witness uh, unto his glory uh, bearing witness to the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ, the power that he's demonstrated in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we uh, marvel at these promises that you made to David, we marvel that these promises weren't just to him um, because of him being a king or because he looked a certain way or did certain things, but because you loved him. And, and you also love us. May we rest in that love. Uh, may we understand that love. May, uh, may, may we, out of great joy uh, and humility, serve those around us uh, because of your love. And, and may we make the, your love known to those around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.